Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 24. This week, Brian and I are talking about the book and topic that led us to start this podcast. The book I called Brian about in early 2020 is called Justification, and it was written by N.T. Wright, or Tom Wright, um, whose name we have mentioned several times uh, in the course of this podcast. Now, this is a heavy topic and one that comes with its fair share of controversy. If you've been to church or read your Bible, I'm sure you've heard or read the word justification or justify. The word first appears in one of Paul's earliest letters to the Galatians. Paul then goes on to use it several more times throughout his letters. Unfortunately, though, Paul didn't include a glossary of terms with his letters. In this episode, Brian and I talk about the word, the scholarship that has gone into the word, and how its definition might have more of a horizontal or relational aspect to it. We realize not everyone may agree, but the bistro is a place of conversation, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. That is discuss. Just like last week's episode, we recorded this episode early in the year, so you'll hear some references that are a little old as we get started, so just kind of got to roll with it. However, before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a review on Facebook? If that's not your thing, would you mind sharing the post about this episode or another episode you've enjoyed on Facebook or just tell a friend? That works too. We'd love to expand our audience. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at the word justification. All right, Brian, thanks so much for being here. You know, glad to talk again. (laughs) How are you, Ryan? You doing okay? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to jump into the bistro. So did you see the Mars uh, lander pictures? Have you seen any of those, the Mars rover pictures? I did. I did. Well, I mean, I watched the video of the landing. Which oh, was pretty fascinating. That yeah, was incredible. Like I didn't yeah. realize I thought we'd landed stuff before. And, Not, and then I realized yeah. before we'd landed stuff before it was like in a giant beach ball and we just like bounced it around and then it right. landed. And this was like this very controlled descent thing. So pretty amazing. Pretty amazing world we live in, I think. So. Yes. But I will say the photos make me appreciate what we have because the photos are like, hey, there's a oh. there, here, there's the sun, and yeah. then it's just red rolling. Right. <laughs> sand yeah the sound is just like the wind you know yeah so, anyway anyway we're we're not here to talk about science though we're not we're, we're, we're astronomy here <laughs> no we're christians we don't talk about science i'm kidding that's a total <laughs> oh, joke whoa, whoa. i'm kidding that's i'm awesome. kidding that's science awesome. is good science is good oh my gosh <laughs> so i thought today we might chat a little bit about why we started this to begin with like the initial right. conversation where you and i started chatting again this summer yeah well, i think maybe we've talked about the fact that you kind of had been reading some stuff and had some questions and so you called me up and so what you want to talk more about what that was and what it looked like yeah absolutely so uh, as i mentioned previously so i have a lot of books on my bookshelf and right. i have a problem sometimes of buying books <laughs> I like it. I'm like, oh, this is intriguing. Then it goes on my shelf and it sits there for a little bit. But as you know, we had some more time this last right. year. Uh, right. Things where we were at home more often. And so I'm like, I'm burning through some books. And I pulled down a book called Justification by N.T. Wright. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of N.T. Wright. Uh, right. I like the way he writes. I like to listen to his voice as well on YouTube. It's like this rolling yeah. British... He's, he's- yeah, it's he's like got a, a great voice. Yeah, it's yeah. like a warm fire. Like you're just sitting right. around chatting with your friend. Anyway, so I, I picked up this book, Justification, and I started reading it. And the first part of it is laying out the case of this kind of redefining the word justification. And the second half of the right. book is, you know, looking through how is the word justification used in scripture. So it goes through Galatians, sure. Romans, uh, all the places that we see the word justification. And I read this. And when I called you, as I mentioned, it was kind of melting my brain a little bit. I think right. that was when my text was like, hey, do you have any thoughts on this? Because I need to bounce this off somebody. Because, um, you know, growing up, it, it was, we talked about the word justification, but I was taught, um, and I remember, I think this was at a church camp, like justification, the simple way to think about it is just as if I'd never sinned. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, that so was- That's why a lot of us, you know, I think- are introduced to the topic. It's a big word, right? Justification. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of different levels of which people might understand or not understand it. Some of the people listening might not even really have a good grasp of what justification means. But usually, we're thinking about 
uh, somehow that initial point at which we become Christ followers, that, mm-hmm. that that's the first part of this this process. But yeah, a lot of times we'll say it's it's a doing away with our sins. So it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's kind of the way we introduce it at a, at, at a beginning level. But a lot of times we don't really advance from there. You know, we kind of just stick with that and yeah, and it was one of those things I'd taken a definition, and unfortunately with the Bible, we don't have a uh, dictionary to say, like, this word <laughs> There's means, no glossary in the there's back. There's no glossary in the back to say, this word means this, this word means right. this. And, and, you know, and for me, even, like, as I was thinking about how I was reading the Bible, it's like you see a word, you, you know, you've accepted the definition, and you almost just pass over it. You know, Not that I pass sure, over it, but right. I'm reading it like, oh, he used the word justified, and I'm just moving on, and I wasn't challenging any right. of my maybe assumptions or things that I've been told and not that anybody was trying to deceive me in any way or right. give me anything that was wrong or what they believed was wrong. It was just like, I just accepted this definition. So I read this book, Justification, and N.T. Wright was basically saying, we need to reevaluate what does this word mean? Right. And right. Um, when you reevaluate it and when you, you know, if you accept this premise, dramatically changes how you read some things in, sure. in scripture and what what certain things mean. And so I read this and I called you and I said, Brian, tell me, what do you think about this? Was, <laughs> well, you know, and I think some of my comments were like, did we talk about this at some point in class? And I was just too stupid to understand what was happening. Um, I think I said yes. And I, I'm pretty sure. It's yes. You know what? I, I I was lived. I lived in a Spanish-speaking country for for a while, and I had never really studied the language, and so I was kind of learning it just by living there. And and uh, there was a person who kind of helped coach me. One of the people, one of my coworkers, in fact, kind of my boss there. One of the things that he talked about with language learning is that he says language is a lot like being kind of in you're you're in a in a fog, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a mist. And you move a little bit further so you can see a little bit farther. And then the next thing you know, that, that, so that mist expands a bit, but then it's still out there beyond mm-hmm. you. So, and he, you know, this is a guy who'd lived in the country for years and, and I would have considered a fluent Spanish speaker. And he would say that there's still for him that mist out there that he, you know, he gets so far and then it becomes kind of incomprehensible. And, and I think that's a great analogy for almost any area of knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. The way that we come to knowledge is we begin to learn something about it. But then, uh, you know, the, the clearer that becomes, it just kind of moves that unknown back a little bit. And so even if you're a theological student, even if you're somebody who, you know, studied at a Bible college like you did at a Christian college uh, who had Bible classes where we talked about some of these things. There are times I might have been, you know, even if you had me in class and we were talking about these kind of things, I might have talked about them in a way that you, uh, you know, didn't quite grasp fully everything that was being talked about. And now that you've moved on in your faith, you've read more, you've learned more, now you're thinking about it in a different way. So I don't think that's an uncommon thing. I think wherever we are, whatever stage we are in our Christian walk, um, that, that's kind of the case, that we, we still have those things we don't yet know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely for me is one thing is like, the more I read, the more I realize, right. uh, you know, and I've told this to my wife, like, I feel really dumb. <laughs> Like really, I mean, maybe I really am just a dumb dumb. But like, well, I don't the, think I don't think there's you know I don't think there's anything to feel dumb about, and and I don't I don't think that'd be the case I, of yes, other people I, who maybe haven't thought about justification. But it's just uh, it's that we haven't perhaps pushed into that area of knowledge, mm-hmm. or we we haven't really thought about it in that in that deep way. Yeah. So uh, kind of coming back to this, you know, I, what N.T. Wright was saying in this is as he was looking at justification was that. The justification wasn't this totally, um, uh, wasn't just like we just had never sinned, but basically justification meant, as it talks about, we're justified by faith, was that we were now part of the covenant community. Covenant community, right. That's that's kind of the the way that Wright talks about it. So, you know, here's, here, let me, let me give a little bit of background here that may help us as, as you think about this. And this is kind of what we talked about some too. And I am, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm persuaded by uh, a lot of the things that Tom Wright says. And, and I'll you know, go on. I think one of the most important things that happened here is, is him and another writer we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, they kind of introduced us to a way of thinking about the first century and especially the first century I'm going to use the term Jews, the first century Jews uh, in the time of Jesus 
to think about them in a way perhaps we never have. Mm -hmm. But, but the idea here is, let me kind of introduce it this way. Again, when we, when we think about when we first came to the faith, I I remember one of the things that I was kind of taught, well, you know, the, the people in Jesus day had this idea that you had to be good enough. And whenever you sinned, you had to offer a sacrifice. And if, you know, if, if you'd sin without that sacrifice, you were outside of, uh, God's favor. And, mm-hmm. and so there was this kind of this constant system that you could never please God and you could never be right with God. And so Jesus comes along. And, and then what we see in, in Jesus is this idea of grace that he accomplishes for us what we could not accomplish for ourselves, which I, I believe all of that's true. But then we kind of get this idea that a Jew, when we talk about what what did a, a Jewish person in the first century who lived in Palestine, what did they believe? Uh, you know, lived in the area where where Jesus was was um, ministering in Galilee or in Judea, this this area. Mm-hmm. What would they have believed? We kind of, I think, again, when I was a young person at Sunday school, I would have thought, well, they believe the Old Testament, right? They they believe basically the, the system of laws and here are the things that you do in order to be right with God. And if you don't do this, you're not right with God. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think what uh, Wright's really trying to get us to do is he's trying to say, it's a little bit more of a complex picture of that. So, so we hear in Paul, for example, we get to the apostle Paul, which is really where this kind of becomes a major discussion point. And uh, again, the presentation for a lot of us is there's a contrast between works of the law Mm-hmm. By which we mean doing the right thing, you know, following the law and grace. That's the contrast between what Christ, you know, Christ brought grace. And so there's this image that Paul was kind of this guy who was trying to do everything he could to be right with God and he couldn't ever quite attain it. But finally, when he, you know, is in the Damascus Road experience, when Jesus appears to him, then he understands this this idea that that it's a matter of grace that Christ has accomplished what Paul could not and, and so that's that's kind of our you know basic understanding of justification and and let me say there's a lot to that that I would I would agree with the one thing that I kind of push back on and this is where I think NT Wright has really helped us a lot is this image of what it means to be a, a first century Jew what what a first century Jew would have thought uh, what they would have believed in the way they would have acted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to put it this way. Again, it's it's not that it, it, there's there's no truth there, but it's you know what a caricature is, right? When we yes, take something yes. and uh, I don't know if you've ever had have you ever had one done? You ever had somebody draw a caricature of you? <laughs> they don't have enough paper. My I, head's too big. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a few. Yeah, you kind of look like Sasquatch. Now, uh, I, but, <laughs> yes. Um, but <laughs> But, you know, I've had people do caricatures of me and they exaggerate features, you know, and it kind of makes you feel bad about yourself, really. <laughs> so it, it's not a true presentation, right? But somebody looks at it and they go, they can, it's close enough that they go, oh, that, that's you, except it's funny, right? It's yes. exaggerated. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of, I think it's kind of a caricature that we often have of what a Jewish person in the first century would would believe. I think that's probably the place to start when we're, when we're talking about this idea. There's There's some other things that we can bring in. Uh, along the way, but I I really think that's what um, N.T. Wright has done that is that is helpful. And, and really, yeah. he was building on the work I mentioned an earlier. Scholar, he was building on a work of another guy. I think you've read E.P. Sanders. Of, yeah, E.P. Sanders, Ed Sanders. I think you've read some of his book, um, uh, Paul and Palestinian Judaism, Judaism. is yeah. kind of his classic work. And you mentioned this idea of a covenant community, which is what E.P. Sanders talks about, and then. Uh, Tom Wright picks up on that language a lot as well. So. Yeah. So I, I, we, so this other book that by E.P. Sanders, I, I'd started reading after I'd read Justification. It was talking about what did the first century uh, Jews believe, and what was really right. interesting for me that that challenged me, kind of building off this caricature thing, is yeah, you know, most of what we know as or what I felt like I knew about Jewish faith or what they believed was from a Christian perspective, yeah. as what Paul had written about them, and I, you yeah. know, that that perspective. And as I was thinking about this, uh, it made me think about something else that I'd read. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, Richard Dawkins, the evolutionary biologist, had written a book sure. called The God Delusion. And right. I picked up that book and read it. And I was so frustrated because, <laughs> not because I felt like his arguments were valid, but he was taking right. bits and pieces, like he's not a Christian and was making right. these statements about it, kind of going, yeah. that's not right. And he's trying that's to make his whole yeah, case. That's 
you, you know, I'm going to get, you'll probably hear me say this again, Ryan, but I, I, I often will say to my students that if we don't thoroughly understand both sides of the argument, if we, if we can't understand why someone would hold a opposing point of view, we probably really don't understand the argument well. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of times what the way we present Jews in the first centuries, well, they were just kind of these fools. They were kind of this, well, well, no, that's not the, that's not the case at all. You know, we, we make it say, we make it seem like, well, why would anybody have ever accepted their, their idea about what it means to come draw near to God? And, and so here's, here's the, here's kind of what is, in my opinion, uh, one of the long-term effects of this is we kind of begin to reject in the Old Testament, not in a, not in a sense that we don't read it or we don't pay attention to it, but it becomes for us almost again, this kind of, um, almost like plan A that didn't work. And so then we get into plan B, which is the good good stuff with mm-hmm. Jesus, right? So the Old Testament comes kind of this rejection, you know, well, this is all stuff that's gone now and we no longer pay attention to it. We no longer read it. Whereas I think there's a lot it t- says to us about who God is, about what it means to be his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it, you know, has that, that kind of, that's one of the bad effects. I think this kind of caricature has. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can I say something just real quick that I think both, man, this may be too much background, but let me just say a little bit about, we, we've talked before about some of the things that new discoveries bring to the, to the Bible. And, and sometimes we have this fear, I think of looking into new things, but you know what really set the stage for E.P. Sanders was the discovery and the um, popular, I don't want to say popularization, but the making more available a whole section of writings that we had, we had really not had access to previously. Mm-hmm. I think we've, have we talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls before, yes. but the, mm-hmm. the Dead Sea Scrolls were an incredibly important discovery. And, and most people don't realize this, it wasn't until the 1950s that we even yeah. knew they, that's when they were first discovered. And and they still have been. They've not all been published, but that publishing was such a slow thing. But what we begin to realize is there was this entire other group uh, that lived out in the Judean wilderness that did not agree with even the groups that we read about in in the Bible. And, and let me go there as well. So so here's how I'll start a lot of times with students: is if you say to me, "What did a Jew in the first century believe about X?" You know about what it means to worship or what it means to, I don't even like this term and, and we'll get to this. It's really, it's really rights effect on me that, that makes this, but what did, what did a Jew believe you need to do to be saved? Right. Mm-hmm. The, the, if, if we think about that, if you ask me that question, what I would say is, well, it depends in the same way that I might say, what does a Christian in, in the United States believe about, you know, if I ask you that question, what does a Christian believe about X or Y you might say, well, it depends. Are they? Are we talking about a Roman Catholic, or are we talking mm. about a Methodist, or are we talking about uh, someone who's a part of the Restoration movement, like we are? Or are we talking about a Presbyterian? You see, what I'm saying there's mm-hmm. a lot of topics that we might answer differently depending upon what particular approach we have, and I'd say even more so, there are groups in the first century. So, so what we do a lot of times when we talk today, uh, when people are are writing about these things or thinking about these things. We don't talk about Judaism with a capital J in the first century. A lot of times we talk about Judaisms, Mm. right? There's not just one, a lot of times we'll say not one monolithic belief system that explains it. And in fact, you can see that in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. There are different ways of Jew uh, being a Jew in, in the Bible. Um, you know, we talked about Sadducees and Pharisees, I think, before already, and right. and they had completely different beliefs. They had completely different political alliances. They would not have gotten along, right? You know, and uh, uh, you know, so that's that that kind of thought. But then there's this other group out there that was completely different the 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 Qumran community that believed in a completely different way. On top of that, and then there there are other ways. There are other ways of of thinking about God. And and responding to God and different ways of acting in response to this, you could, like I said, you can see this even within the pages of the New Testament itself. So I think what E.P. Sanders is really building on is these writings being made available, not only the Dead Sea Scrolls, but other intertestamental, what we call intertestamental writings. Mm-hmm. We begin to to get a more complex picture uh, of what first century, what the first century Jewish belief systems were. 
Right. And there was there was a variety of them. And what can what was consistent between them or what was not consistent between right. them? Right. Exactly. Yeah. What what you could say of them all and what I mean, a lot of them there was disagreement. Uh, you know, even so, we, I mentioned the Pharisees before. And the Pharisees saw themselves as, as people who were really trying to do things the right way, and they wanted to, to you know, to uh, really you know establish God's uh, kingdom in a in a physical way. And yet, these people in the Qumran community say they're all sinners too. You know, the high priests and all of them are got, they've got got it wrong. In fact, we even find that there were Jewish groups that had different calendars. They didn't even, you know, we had this kind of idea that they would have celebrated Passover and, and these different feasts. Some of them celebrated it on different days. So there was a lot of variation in belief system in the first century. And, and so the, the first thing I'd say is when we caricature, you know, kind of that, that belief system, then, you know, kind of make it a very simplistic thing, then we're, we're oversimplifying it, I think. And that makes it difficult then when we begin to see the way that Jesus and Paul and the New Testament writers were responding to that, to that belief, to those belief systems, I guess I should say, in a plural. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges I've always said of Paul is like, we have one side of the telephone conversation. Yeah. Right. Like, and so, you know, it's how much are we pushing ourselves into the other side? You know, I think that was one of the things that, uh, NT right and, and I think is basically saying like, we're forcing Paul to answer questions that no one was asking. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, that. We're, and that's our danger always in scripture is we want we want answers to different questions than the people that were originally the recipients of those books would have been asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so coming back, let's talk about justification. You know, we've we've kind okay. of gone back to this. Like so <laughs> Yeah, I said that maybe that was too deep back. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I do think it's important. I yeah, no, important. I mean that, that there's that there was this so how do we read, you know, what does that mean then for us? You know, as we think about justification, sure. that it's not suggesting it's not this just as if I'd never sinned, but it's basically, you know, covenant covenant is the okay. overarching sweeping narrative through scripture that God is fulfilling his covenant, his promise to Abraham. Right. That, you know, serves the sky. And so that justification has this more horizontal piece to it um, right. of being part of that covenant now. Let, let me answer this in two different ways. So the first one, uh, you, you always like to say, well, I, th- I throw Greek at you or whatever, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Well, so I'm not great. At, in <laughs> fact, I know not. I mean, I know. Yes. So I know a little. The first, the first thing I would say is uh, there, there's a language issue going on that, that I think helps us kind of begin to get into this. And I think I've said before that English comes from so many different languages that sometimes we've borrowed different roots, roots to our words from different languages. So sometimes we have multiple roots that mean the same thing. And, and so there's an example of this that, that gets at the very heart of this idea of justification, because there are, there, there are words. So the, the Greek word for, for this idea of to be justified is related to another word that that we use that is a theological word that's called righteousness. Okay, so the yep. words justification, if you think about that, those are two completely different roots in English, right? Just and right are, are two completely different roots. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the at the Greek language, you'll say that see that they are trans that we we translate both of them from a common cognate, what we call a, a common uh, uh, how do I say this uh, a, a core core word that that these other words to, to justify or righteousness come off of. So the idea of justification, some some people suggest we should call it rightness, right? R- rightification, right? It's, it's yes. to make to make us right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you think about rightness or justice, either either way, those are the, those are kind of similar contexts. So righteousness, sometimes we think about um how do I say this? When we when we think about righteousness, we think about it almost the same way that we would holiness. Okay, that that is so the idea of just as if I'd never sinned. So the idea of uh, uh, righteousness means that I am I am holy, and there can be a part to that. But really, it it also has this idea of right relationship. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, of a of a rightness overall. Uh, of a let me use the word. Here's another one: justice. Okay, this idea of rightness and justice are are very closely linked. That everything is as it should be. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's really what gets at the heart of what 
being justified is all about. So we believe that there's this broken relationship that we have with God because of our, our rebellion, because of our sin. God made the world, I'm going to use the term right, mm-hmm. right? He made the world as it should be. Right. Okay. Correct. And, and <laughs> right. Right. Correct. Right. Right. And then, and then we have, we have broken that relationship. There, there's a, there's a, uh, wrongness, let's say, since we're using that, that other word, there's a brokenness there that, that is, that needs to be healed. And, and so what happens then, what, what justification is about is about the healing of that relationship, I would say. But now here's, here's kind of the way we have thought about it, at least from the time of the Reformation, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 15th century, 16th century, the, the reformers, they thought about it a lot in a, in a legal sense, almost like a, like a, in a courtroom sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're declared righteous, right. If, if uh, you're standing before a judge and the judge declares you to be not guilty, Mm-hmm. Uh, is one way to think about that. That's that's kind of their that was their understanding uh, of what justification meant. So you, they would often and and they still today you'll see people talk about this as a state. It's a change in state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're moving from this idea of of unjustified or uh, sinful or mm-hmm. however you want to say this, and you're being moved into righteousness, right? You're being moved into the state of just being justified. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the kind of the, the obverse kind of happens. It's like, it's like, that's a state that you potentially can move in and out of. And that's a whole other debate that, that yes. people have had surrounding this. Uh, and, and partly, at least partly, not entirely, but at least partly that kind of courtroom, uh, verdict is is based on, you know, part of it's the language of Paul, and we can talk about this later on. But but it, it's based upon this notion that that people had about what the the Jewish people believed about the Old Testament that they were in this state of uncleanness, mm-hmm. and, and so they were they were out of favor with God, and His wrath is upon them until they become clean, and then. Uh, you know, they do that through the sacrificial system. And of course, you know, that doesn't really do it, but that's right. what they're called to do. And so they they offer sacrifice for sin and that puts them in favor with God until they do this again. So you see that idea of kind of being in and out of this state of being right. in God's favor is is where and and I'll be honest, I, I think again, there's a certain level at which some people continue to think of our relationship with God in that same kind of way, even through Jesus, right? So, so that's that's kind of the. I, I think E. P. Sanders was, you know, this guy we're talking about that was kind of the the background for for Tom Wright. I think that's a lot of what he was reacting against, and, and what he said instead is, when you look at the Old Testament, they had this idea that they were in favor with God because of the promise mm-hmm. that God had made to Abraham. Right. And that, and, that the, can, and the working of the law was just like their confirmation of their commitment to that covenant relationship. You, you could call it confirmation or, or instead of thinking about the law as what puts you in favor with God, you could think about it as the law is what you do because you are favored of God, because you are part of this covenant people, mm-hmm. because you are part of this. Here's the here's the word we were talking about earlier. You're part of this covenant community, this this community that God made these promises to, because you are from, you're the seed of Abraham. You're, you're descended from Abraham. And therefore you are heirs, as Paul says, to the promises and to the covenants that God made with our forefathers that puts you in that state. uh, I don't don't really like the word state, but that, that, that Mm -hmm. puts you in that, let's call it relationship. And then the works of the law are the sign of, of what you do as a result of that, that this is what we do as God's covenant people. This is uh, how we are expected to live. This is a, you know, and, and we even use things like the sign of the covenant, right. Uh, for things like circumcision. So circumcision kind of sometimes in the new Testament becomes a shorthand for someone who's going to keep the whole law. Right. Uh, right. If you're, if you're circumcised, then you're going to, you're going to do all the things that are in keeping with, with being a part of this covenant community. So that was called, so the word nomism is used for this a lot. You'll see this, this word, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of a, we don't use, it's one of those words we don't use in much, many other contexts, nope. right? But you can see in, <laughs> you nope. can see in that, in that root, the idea of the law, mm-hmm. that's what the nom part of <laughs> the nom, 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 nom
Um, so you can think about, we use that, that root in some, in some English words. So nomism has to do with our view of the law. And so covenantal nomism is basically saying that this is what the law is. It's about this, this covenant. And, um, you know, there's ways to talk about the other side of that, but, uh, the other, other kind of idea of works of law again is as seeking God's approval or trying to do the things to get into favor with God. Uh, in other words, I'm not just because I'm a descendant of Abraham doesn't mean I'm I'm a part of this. Uh, I'm in his favor, but I have to do the right things. And that's where we get that kind of more, again, Reformation view of, of what it means. Yeah, that's, now, that's a lot of Roman. That, well, that's a lot of Romans. You know, just be just yeah, Abraham's seed absolutely. is not is not Israel. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's that's really, I think, part of what Paul is arguing there. Uh, you know, one way or the other, um, you know, so here's the thing that, again, I want to talk about the Old Testament for just a minute, because, um, you know, I think we have this tendency, again, just to simply reject it. But when you begin to look at it this way, it opens the whole thing up in a, in a different way to where where the law really becomes more about God and his character, about his nature, than it does about, you know, do this and you're in and do that and you're out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sometimes think we look at the law almost as if it is arbitrary, you know, there, and, and let's be frank, when you read the book of Leviticus, as I'm sure you've done your daily devotional lately, and every book day, Leviticus, every day, or, when I start with Leviticus, <laughs> or the book of Deuteronomy, even mm. one of those two books, mm-hmm. you read some of these laws, and you're like, what, what's, what's going on here? And yet, it, when you really begin to look at what, what they're, I don't want to say lays behind them necessarily, but what they're about, a lot of them have to do with community life. What does it mean? to treat other people in, in a particular way. Uh, a lot of it has to do with God's character and, and what he, what, you know, his nature is. I think when we look at the law as arbitrary, we can kind of look at, at sin as arbitrary as well. Uh, you know, that's, I think an effect that it can have on us if we're not careful uh, is we can begin to see, you know, well, God just gave us this list of things kind of randomly when really I think, Sin is is defined as that which is opposed to the character and nature of God. You know, we're, we we find uh, that the origin of sin, and of course, there's different ways of looking at sin too. Maybe we'll talk yes. about this another time. But the the origin of sin is that which is opposed to God's nature. So it, it's actually, if we think about that, we created the image of God, right? Uh, that Jesus is the highest expression of what a human being, you know, when he, he took on flesh and he really showed us what a what a truly image-bearing human being looked like, right? Someone, when I say image-bearing, you understand that that idea that, that someone who's bearing the image of God, mm-hmm. Jesus shows us the highest expression of what that looks like. And then what we want to be as Christ's followers is, is we are asking for God's uh, continuing ongoing work to make us more and more like like who Jesus is, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what what we're looking at is we want to be transformed uh, uh, to be like Him, as Paul says. So so Christianity, I say, isn't about avoiding certain practices. I think sometimes we make Christianity into this list of things moralism. That, that you don't do right moralism. And, and really what it is about, it, it's about the things that we are taking on and the way that our character is being transformed in a positive way mm-hmm. to be more like um, Jesus, who is the image of the, of the creator. So, so I guess, and here's, I'd love to talk about this another time, but sin, I always say, is my understanding of sin. There's two major ways of looking at sin, but, uh, but my understanding of sin is that it is an absence of the good. Uh, so it's it's a hollowing out of what we really should be, rather than um, rather than some thing that has a life of its own, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that I think this whole idea of of the way we look at nomism, the way we look at the works of the law, is an is an aspect of this. So when you think about the Israelites, then what I think they were they were called to do. The reason that God gave them the law is He said, "You're not like the other." nations around you. You you are my people mm-hmm. and and you're there therefore going to reflect uh my character. And and we see that there are radical ways in which they are different um than than the people around them. They're not to um you know do the kind of things that that the the 
well, as Paul would say, the pagans around them have, have done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think there's a similar way that we as the Christian community, there are characteristics that we are called to take on that are uh, anti-establishment, let's call it, right? Anti-social. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong word. I don't think anti-socials, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not putting up walls, but but it's but, different than but when the, it, the social norms. Right. I mean, think about love your, you know, what a radical idea, lo- the idea of love your enemy is, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's antithetical, not it, it's antithetical to the way that we, we are used to living to our, I would say to our, you know, core, uh, that's, that's a different way of living that is, that is opposed to the majority of the culture around us. And, and I think that's, you know, it becomes a problem then when, when it's very hard to distinguish, um, between the Christian community and the community around us. So we yeah. kind of got a far away from justification. Well, that, well I, what I was going to, this is good. No, this is good. Because, you know, I, I think for me, when I looked at justification differently and what it, it was more of yeah. part of the covenant community and realizing that just as the, the Jews, they were chosen, these are my people, there mm-hmm. was still conditions that were given to them. You know what I mean? Like the law was given right. to them, like saying, this is, you know, I use the word conf- confirming and so forth. And so like, for me, as I thought about this is kind of going, number one, for me, it's um, kind of reinforcing again, the old Testament concepts, like the importance yeah. of the old Testament to see this, like, this is the justification is about being part of that covenantal community yeah. again. And like the yeah. importance of the old Testament, this whole narrative sweeping narrative of God that you can't just, the New Testament is only in light of the Old Testament. Yeah. And yeah. then also for me, it was thinking about this as like, okay, if I'm justified by faith and I'm part of this covenant community and the law is, uh, you know, it was like kind of the, I'm going to say the word conditional part of the, you know, like it was part of their relationship. Sure. So it's kind of going, you know, I've always struggled. Um, I was in a small group and it's like, we're reading the book of James. Faith right. without work is dead. And it's like, yeah. what do I do? Well, I, I don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. well, what are you trying to say? I've been, I've been justified. It's just as if I've never sinned and I've been made all of this. So right. how does, how does James even fit into this? And, and you and I talked recently is you read through the book of revelations and it says twice. And I know revelations has its own set of things to process through it's revelation been, revelation. I, wow. The teaching never stops. You did that twice. I know. <laughs> I'm because I'm talking. I'm in. A, I'm in. A, I'm in a mode. I don't get sorry, to talk very sorry, often. Sorry. You usually shut me down, Mister Man. Anyway, right, so in uh, the Book of Revelation and the Book of Revelation, period, written by John the Revelator, um, is that that we're judged by our works, and so reconciling, oh. like, what yeah. what do I do with this? And then realize seeing justification in a different light. Yeah. And I'm not saying yeah. we're saved by our works. It is still totally a work of God. I'm not saying anything otherwise or that we're earning salvation or earning anything, but kind of realizing that this, that the, 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 we're justified by faith and then we're called to be different, live our lives differently. To, to, to be a part of this community that is, that is characterized by different kinds of, of Of life. uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I love to think about that in terms of we're characterized in different ways. And, and one of the things I think is most characteristic of us is, is the resurrection. You know, again, that's one of those things that we kind of, we, we relegate to Easter or maybe, you know, this particular thing, but, but the, the, the reality of Jesus resurrection makes us a different kind of people and really gives us a different perspective on every part of our life. Well, let me go back into the two, two points you made. Let me make a, let, let me just respond to each of those. <laughs> Correct. No, in, in positive ways, they're good. They're good things to say. I'm just going to take them a little bit farther. And then I got one kind of other thing I want to want to say to kind of wrap it up. If I can remember what it is to that point. But uh, the first, the first thing I'll say in regard to what you said in regard to the old Testament, I'm going to give you, I, I always use this phrase to kind of shake people up when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I say when we talk about, again, people often want to contrast the work and the law, right? Or I'm sorry, grace and the law, works of law and, and grace. They want to make that contrast. Um, what I, I, I say is that the law is an act of grace. Mm. And, and, and here's what I mean by that is even at the very beginning, if you think about Adam and Eve's rebellion, okay, when they separated themselves from the source of all life, which is what they did. And that, and, and so I, I don't think this is, I don't think this is a theological statement. I think this is an ontological statement. In other words, this is the way things are. This is the way they mm-hmm. really are. Right. Okay? 
is God is the creator of everything that is. That's what Genesis 1 is about. I mean, anything that walks or swims or flies, he made. Mm-hmm. The grass of the ground, the the, the tree bearing, the fruit bearing tree, you know, everything that exists, everything that lives has its origin in the creator. That's what it means that God is God in, in an essence, I would say. But but then he is the source of all life. But then when you separate yourself from the source of all life, where does that leave you? That in the dark. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's death, right? Mm-hmm. So when Paul says the wages of sin is death, I mean, I think that's that's exactly it. But but here's my point is I, 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 what would have made uh, if when in the you know when Adam and Eve separate themselves from God, I, I'm going to say it this way: We've been talking about justification. God would have been totally justified in in causing them to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Right? There would be no there there would be no reason, if you will, for him to offer them life, other than the fact that he is also a gracious God. That his holiness is one aspect of his nature, but he also has this aspect of love and grace, and he offers this grace to his his creatures. So what we have in the law, and, and it actually it's kind of interesting the way it, you, you see it develop throughout Scripture, is God is always providing for uh, his people uh, to have a way that they can maintain relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the gracious part of the law. He, he didn't have to provide that. There's, there's, you know, it, 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 I'm talking about just on the on the holiness side. Mm-hmm. But of course, he could do no other because he is that is his his very character and nature. He could do no other than than to ex- extend his grace and love as well. Um, and that's why we're called then to be loving people to our enemies and those kind of things because it's in keeping with his nature. So. So I guess, you know, that's that's kind of the first thing I'll say about the Old Testament is I always say that the law is a system of grace, which is kind of, you know, kind of makes people freak out a little bit sometimes. Uh, but you got to you got to kind of understand uh, what, what I'm saying with that. Um, I can't remember. What was your second point then? Do you- <laughs> well, I was talking about like works. You know what I mean? Like, the, oh, you know, yeah, just, yeah, as, yeah. just so, a, yeah, a that, new understanding of and that. I, and I kind of I kind of already said what I was going to say about that, that, that we, um, you know, we we are characterized in this particular way that we, we take on these, these characteristics that we're called to live in this particular way. And so, yeah, there's not this huge separation. I don't see this huge separation between that. You mentioned the book of revelation. The book revelations, not Stop revelation. It. This, uh, this is from the gospel of John, which, you know, we've talked about a couple of times before. Mm-hmm. But this is, I want you to listen to what Jesus says. This is, these are the words of Jesus. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is, verse 24. I truly, I t- truly I tell you, whoever, this is, a, I'm sorry, uh, John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So there's that idea of the resurrection. I was talking mm-hmm. about what a difference that makes uh, with us. But it says, for us, the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out, those who have done what is good— will rise to live and those who've done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Mm. Isn't that an interesting, you see that, that contrast there between the good and the evil. And that's like I mentioned, the book of revelation, we have, you know, the difference between those who are, who are written in the, in the book of life, lamb's book of life and those who are, who are outside. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of what we are called to, I think as God's people. Uh, we aren't, you know, as we often like to say, we're not saved by these actions, uh, but we are called to them because because of what God has done in us. And here's kind of the final, not final. I mean, obviously, you can say other things in regard to this, but in summary, I want to I want to kind of point this out. So we talked about this word covenantal nomism, and then and then you know the, the kind of the older view we sometimes will call judicial or juridical. You know, has to do with kind of that court scene that that kind of an idea of, of um, 
the laws, the judge and, and those kind of things. Um, you'd mentioned when we were, when we were talking about this, Ryan, this idea of variegated nomism. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the idea that there are different kinds of approaches to understanding the law. And, and that's really, I think, maybe the, the biggest point to, to take away from this. There's, there's lots of people that want to set up a lot of these debates as if they are mutually exclusive. And I don't know that that's the case. I think that this topic, this understanding of what it means to be in relationship with the God of the universe is big enough that there are different kinds of aspects to it that need to be explored. I don't think we can summarize it or or boil it down to one simple point or one simple catchphrase, right? Right. Uh, we can't just, we don't have a motto that works here. It, it, it's a very complex picture that has has a lot of different aspects and again that doesn't mean it's so complex we can't understand it it's me it just means that if we try to oversimplify it and say well it is this one thing or it is this other thing then we probably have have missed a bigger part of the picture because we're talking about what it means for a finite human being created the image of god whatever that means to be in relationship with the eternal creator and, and so when we think in, in those terms, there's there's probably different metaphors and images that will be used. Maybe the courtroom is appropriate in a particular context. Maybe the idea of a community, a covenant community is appropriate in a different context. Maybe the idea of a relationship between a father and a son or a father and a child is appropriate in another relationship or in another context. So so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is um, – uh, you know, if we try to boil this down and make it a little bit too, uh, well, it's this way and not this way, we may have missed an important aspect of the of the broader picture. Yeah, N.T. Wright in his book says, anytime we say, well, what Paul's really trying to say here, <laughs> as soon as we say that sentence, we need to just set it down and take yeah. a step back. And because yeah. then, and then we're, we're placing ourselves in that situation and not letting well, said, Paul speak for Paul. Yeah, I sent you an article before this discussion where the author makes a similar point about this idea of when we say something is what is the central thought here? You know, this is mm. this is central to Christianity. Well, that, that kind of you know that that's that's a pretty bold statement to say this is what's central. I think there are different things that characterize this community. There's different things that characterize our relationship with God. One of my favorite authors is Umberto Eco. He's he's written some really interesting novels and uh, in in his uh, novel Foucault's Pendulum, which I really enjoyed. One of the characters at one point says a line that I have quoted so many times. He says, for every complex problem, there's a simple solution and it's wrong. Hmm. And I, I think that's that's maybe the thing. When we start to think about the complexity uh, of what it means, what what we brought into the world when we when we chose to rebel uh, against God uh, and what that what that means. I don't know about brought into the world, but what what that what happened in our relationship? If you think about the complexity, then of this God who who continues to to work on our behalf, there's going to be some different ways to think about it, and there's some room for us to grow in our understanding of it. I think I think anytime we claim to have gotten to the final uh, point of it, and that, that's I mentioned this idea of being saved, or that, that that's kind of where I I think I rebel against that a little bit is is um, you know that I can say that there here is this state of salvation that I have entered when, you know, everything in the New Testament seems to suggest it's an ongoing thing. Even Paul says, you know, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You know, it's, it's, it's this idea that there is an ongoing nature to this relationship. Yeah. Cause as soon as we place something, uh, that article, you said, as soon as we place something in the, in the center and say, this is it, yeah. then we make everything else that we think or believe like bow down to that thought. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, and we're not we're not leaving room for us to to grow and expand our, our thinking about right. something like that. And he you know he makes the the excellent point. What really belongs at the center, or who belongs at the center, is is the triune God. You know, the mm-hmm. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the center. That's the other thing. And we haven't maybe we'll talk about this if we talk about justification some more. We haven't really talked about too many scriptures about justification. No, no, we haven't. <laughs> Not at all. That'd probably be a good thing to. That'd probably be a good thing to do for maybe. Well, there's maybe there's a another. lot of there's a lot of background that we had to get to before we get. <laughs> I into think the- so. I think I think it helps to kind of give give some context to this conversation. But I, you know, it, it's this, you know, this this thought that many times we make justification, we make ourselves the center of it. 
Mm. Right. We ask the questions from our perspective. Am I, am I justified or am I not when really God's at the center, right? Is he, is he the one who is justifying? Is he the one who is doing this for his glory and for his purpose, for his honor? You know, let me just, I I hadn't thought about doing this, but let me just say this one more thing. I know we're kind of getting to the, to the end of where we want to be with our, with our episode today, but we talk about the covenant. If you think about that promise that God made to Abraham, uh, you know, later on when he's talking to the people of Israel after they've been rebellious and they've been stiff necked themselves and that kind of thing, you know, he says, I, I swore this to Abraham by my own self, right? Because there is, there is no one higher. And, and, you know, it's not because of you that I have done this. He said, but it's because of my glory that I have done this. And, and, you know, I'm talking, talking about book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's an important part of this is sometimes in these debates, we we put humanity at the center of it. And, you know, I it's understandable because that's who we are. Right. And that's what we're concerned about. But really, if we're going to have a solid theology, God has to be at the very center of it. If, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to really talk about that. So, yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot of different things today. <laughs> we have. <laughs> like first century Jews, justification a little bit. I haven't talked yeah. a lot about the scriptures. But I think the one thing that, you know, is you and I talked about this, that we were going to talk about this, is wanting the yeah. people to know, like, no one's tried to deceive you in this uh-uh. or like that reading scripture. And while this may be new for you, like reading scripture is still very fruitful and God is speaking to you through scripture for some, you know, as I know we didn't dive too deep into it, but like changing some definitions, like how you, how we read things that it's, um, you know, don't, don't feel discouraged by any of that. Right. You know, like I, I don't, I didn't feel discouraged when I was like, Oh, someone lied to me. And, or I, I haven't understand the gospel or who Jesus is or what he's done for me. It just helped me understand and, and to dig deeper yeah. to understand what's happening here to understand, like, you know, and I realized some of, in my own thinking of like, oh, yeah, I haven't really I don't really know what the Jews, you know, I I had this idea right. in my mind, but I didn't really know. So, yeah. And once I once I learn about that, then Paul becomes a little bit clearer. And so, like, sure. there there is value in going deeper. But that doesn't mean that as we read today and if you haven't ever thought of this, that you, you're that you've missed out on on God's right. the God's word. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say. I don't. I don't think it's it's an issue. All that all that other stuff's wrong. It's it's that it's a big enough topic that there are. That this may bring a different way of thinking about it. Another helpful thing uh, regarding it. It may it it may make us some of the some of the uh, I would say this the uh, uh, results of this way of thinking. It may it may kind of take a, eliminate that. Maybe it gives us even a new perspective on the Old Testament in 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 a sense. So yeah yeah. All right. Well, I will. I'll post a, a link to uh, the article that that we okay. talked about there about you know making one theme central or uh, topic central. So, uh-huh. well, Brian, thanks so much for uh, chatting about this. We covered yeah, a good, lot. Brian. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, ground. we have. I hope. I yeah. uh, hope it's a helpful thing. So, yeah, look absolutely. To the next time. Yep. Thanks, Brian. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are looking at Romans 8 in light of what we just discussed about justification. Super interesting conversation. We hope you'll join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get some exclusive content. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.